Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, Revelations, we've been talking about many things. So a bit of review that the purpose of Revelation is to change us, not just to inform us. It's not meant just to give you more information about something. It's meant to actually change you, that if this is true, how should we then live? What should be changing through us? We've been talking about our picture of Jesus. And again, our picture of Jesus will have to be adapted how we see Jesus today. That yes, he's the shepherd of our souls, but he will be the judge and jury of our lives as well. We've been talking about, will you be ready and ready or are you going to be raptured and removed? And depending on your view is how you're going to prepare yourself. Will you prepare yourself one way if you're going to stick around and prepare yourself, your kids and your grandkids? Or do you think you're just going to have a front row seat watching it all come down? We said that no matter how bad it gets or crazy it is tomorrow, God wins. He still wins in the end. And so that's the good news, that he wins. We've talked about the day of the Lord. Today will be the emphasis of that, that the day of the Lord will be a glorious time and the most horrifying time in human history. We talked about the divine paradox that God is busily trying to save people from his own wrath. That he has continued to open doors. He's continued to say, guys, this is the truth. This is the way. These are the choices. These are the consequences. And it's whether mankind is going to take that or not. We talked about the last chapter last week or two weeks ago about the humanities. This is the closing chapter of humanity's wretched history, but the first chapter of Jesus' glorious return. And today the main emphasis is this. The chapter 20 basically says the sin and all its evil is conquered for all time. That will be the culmination of chapter 20. Now, one of my favorite authors, Charles Swindoll, um, made this statement. See if we agree with it. Sin spoils everything. You agree? Sin spoils everything. And he makes the list. Physical and emotional illness comes from sin, promotes addiction, destroys marriages and families, corrupts the legal system, corrupts the toy-making system. Toy-making system? I'm just going to get on my little horse right now. Mr. Potato Head is being taken off because it's Mr. Potato Head. You can't say Mr. Potato Head anymore. What is this world coming to? And in my case, it just it says, shouldn't they be more concerned that you're shoving the lips in its ear hole and taking the arm out and jamming it up its behind? I mean, shouldn't you be more concerned about that whether than it's just Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head? No, we have to be appropriate. Okay, let me climb off that horse. I just, how ridiculous can we get, guys? The sin spoils everything, even Mr. Potato Head. It corrupts governments. It encourages corporate greed. It erodes economics, inspires wars, promotes false religion, destroys individual lives, decimates communities, countries, and eventually the planet. Sin destroys everything. But I truly believe that in, in the heart of every person. There's this dream, there's this wish, there's this thought of this utopia world. There's got to be something better. I mean, we write songs about it, we sing about it, we, 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 we dream about it, 
And I'm going to tell you, there is coming that time when there will be peace, when there will be justice, when there will be equality, all the things that we think this is the perfect world in this chapter comes. So Revelation 20, verse 1, says this. Now let me warn you too. There are going to be things probably said today that's going to challenge you. It, and I, I hope it puts some sand grinding in you of, do I really believe this or not? Because based on your answer of that is how you will choose to live your life. Verse 1. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Yeah, there should be a big hallelujah after that one. I mean, the devil. I mean, and, and John goes, let me tell you all four names I'm going to use on him. And each one describes it differently. But this unknown angel, which I love this. We don't know who he is. It's not, I'm sending Michael the archangel down. No. It's not saying the Father's going to come down personally. It's not Jesus Christ is going to come down personally. I personally think, hey, who's the lowest ranking angel we got here? Clarence, Bart, you know, let's send him down. You know, and, and let's take him because we're going to just show the final unimportance of Satan. You're not worth the Father. You're not worth the Son. You're not worth Michael. You're not worth any of those. We're going to send the lowest branch of angel to go and put a chain around your neck and bind you. For only a thousand years? Wait a minute. Why a thousand? We'll get to that in a minute. All of a sudden, Satan is called the dragon, which talks about his ferociousness and his cruelty. The serpent that takes us back to the Garden of Eden. The devil, which means slander and malicious gossip. And Satan, which means adversary of God, of Christ, and of us. And he's chained for a thousand years. And what this begins is what we've called the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign of Christ. Millennial means thousand, so you can't say thousand-year millennial reign. That means say the same thing over again. The millennial reign of Christ. And there's basically three views here. I'm down here, the premillennial. There's the all-millennial. There's the post-millennial and premillennial. All-millennial people believe that this is not real. It's not really going to happen. It's just kind of a story, kind of talking fictionally, because they believe that Satan has already been bound. What? Don't think so. Um, Post-millennial means that it's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back after the thousand years. That basically we're in the thousand year time now. And salvations are going to just continue to grow. And it's going to be the greatest harvest time known to man as far as evangelism is concerned. But my Bible tells me that it's going to be a great falling away. Not so much, I mean, the gospel will be spread out, but it's going to be a falling away, not a great harvest time. Premillennial means where I believe the scripture is telling us that at the end of this tribulation period, after Armageddon, there'll be this thousand-year reign of Christ where Christ is sitting on the throne in Jerusalem, and we will be serving him. 
And so that's what this millennial kingdom is. And in your notes, there's a whole breakdown where you can look up the scripture of what this time will be throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. Righteousness is peace, joy, curses lifted, long life. If you hate snakes, you're going to pet them. Cobras, a lion's going to lay down with a lamb. I mean, I like to see that. I mean, and that's what's going to happen during that time of this thousand-year time that Jesus will rule and reign. Now, verse 3 says that this angel threw open the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations. I mean, that, that was the purpose. Imagine no longer will Satan have the ability to tempt, screw with you, nothing. Put nothing in your way for a thousand years. All right? That, that is what is taking place when the, when the serpent, the devil, the dragon is locked away. He cannot deceive any longer. But it says this, after that, he must be set free for a short time, which we'll get to that in a minute. Because right now, Satan presently has his way here on earth. I mean, again, he's limited to what God allows to happen. But 1 John 5, 19 says, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Jesus is sitting on his throne. He's at the right hand of the Father right now. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to him. But right now, it is the devil that has rule and reign and not Jesus totally rule and reign, which is coming in during this thousand years. And he, that, I mean, can you imagine where the devil cannot tempt? The devil cannot draw. The devil, the devil can't do any of that for a thousand years. And then then. John sees in verse 4, I saw thrones on which were seated all those who had, given, who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So he sees thrones. He doesn't number the thrones because there would be countless thrones. Jesus was told, told his disciples, you will rule and reign with me. So he promised the initial 12, you'll be on thrones. But then he makes that promise to us as well, that we will be kings and priests in this millennial life. And throughout scripture, it talks about that. Uh, we are a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of, of rulers, that we will be given rulership over this earth. Now, mind you, you will have sections depending on Basically, how you lived your life as a believer in Christ. That's where the rewards come from. Your, your reward may be Fiji, but some of you may have Bakersfield, all right? And that's, I'm telling you that because that's based on our faithfulness here. We will be rewarded. We will not be judged for our sin. We will judge for our faithfulness. And part of the ruling and reigning with him is that we will be given the ability to judge this earth. Now, who are we judging? What, what would, what, why can that happen? Verse 5 says, The rest of the dead will not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So everyone who died who did not know Christ are still in the grave. They're in the oceans. They're wherever they died. They will stay there for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection he's talking about. Blessed are the, and holy are those who have a part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. He mentions that later in the, the, this chapter, and we'll talk about it then. 
but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and Christ will reign with him for a thousand years. So again, the kingdom, the priests were here to rule and we are here to serve. Those who are believers in Jesus Christ, those who are in heaven, they've died whether during the tribulation period or before. So they are in heaven. They will be given rulership. They will become priests over the earth for that thousand years. Verse 7. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. And you've got to say, what? <laughs> Why? I mean, you already put the, the beast and the false prophet in the, in the lake of fire. Why didn't you just take him then and throw him in the lake of fire then? Why does he have to be released? Why does he have to come out and do his thing? So let's, let's get a picture here. You've got the tribulation period. Ends with Armageddon. God, Jesus snaps his fingers. The enemies are decimated. So now you're entering in this time of the thousand-year reign. And so during that tribulation period, everyone didn't die. There are people still alive who actually made it through the tribulation period. They're all believers. They're the 144,000 Jews that were protected, the Jewish evangelists. They're Gentiles and Jews who came to Christ during that time that managed to avoid all that. And so they're still alive. They're still here on earth. They're not up in heaven yet. Those who have died are up in heaven now. But those who survived are still here. And they're here for a thousand years, marrying, making babies, grandbabies, great-grandbabies, great-great-great-great-babies for a thousand years. In a rule where Jesus Christ is the king. He's sitting on the throne. It's a perfect world. There's no sin. There's no, there's no issues. I mean, this is where the lion lays down the lamb. You play with the serpent. All this, these things are happening during that thousand years. So why does the devil have to be released? Because these people have to be given a choice. Now, my wife, when she wakes up, she makes a choice to love me every day. I have nothing on her to keep her to love me. I can't make her love me. I can't force her to love me. She has to choose to love me every day. And some days are tough, but she has to make that choice. She has the freedom to make that choice. Guys, if you're married, that's the beautiful thing. They don't have to sit next to you right now. They can choose and walk for any number of reasons. But they choose to because that's what love is. Love is about choice. If you come over my house, and let's say you come over and, and you got Alexander and you got Hazel May and you're pushing them on the swing, they're going down the slide, you're playing for an hour. I mean, you're laughing, you're just having a great time and you're about ready to go. And I say, all right, Hazel May, go give Eric a, a big hug and a kiss, say, say thank you. No. Hazel May, you get over there and you give him a hug and a kiss and say thank you. No. Hazel May, I'm going to pile your bottom if you don't get over there. By this time, I'm sure Eric will be saying, wait, 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 don't. I don't want that. Don't force that on me. Why? Because that's not love. It's forced. There has to be the freedom to choose. And even though those initial people who are here on the earth who survived all made the decision already, they're going to be having kids and grandkids. And we know, Right? You can be the most faithful parents in the world. That doesn't mean your kids are going to follow Jesus. 
You can do everything right and the kid go wrong. You can do everything wrong and the kid go right. There's no guarantee. There's no magic potion to put them. They, they all will eventually have to make a choice for themselves. And that's what has to happen here. They have to be given a choice. Satan will do his thing. As one author put it, I mean, I had to learn how to actually type this word. I may be saying it wrong. He said, there's two things true of this. The total incorrigibility, how do you say it? See, I said it right the first time. Incorrigible. Incorrigibility. First time I ever heard that was Sound of Music. When the kids were introducing themselves, he said, I'm so-and-so. I'm incorrigible. I didn't know what that meant. I had to look it up. I mean, I've heard it before, which means unable to be corrected or reformed. That's Satan. You think a thousand years in a pit would, you know, I'm seeing the evil of my ways. No. And the second thing that is true is the total depravity of man. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Because all those people who are left on earth still have their sinful nature. They couldn't blame the devil. Because, guys, you have enough bad stuff up here to handle, to take care of. You don't need the devil to tempt you. Everything that comes in your mind is, oh, the devil's tempting me. No, you're tempting yourself. Because you put crap in, crap comes out. That's how it works. I said that on, sorry. <laughs> Lost myself a minute. Your sinful nature is still in place. Now, when we're in heaven, sinful nature is gone. But those who are here, they're still dealing with that. And Satan is released. Look at verse 8, sad verse. And he'll go to deceive the nations from the four corners of the earth. Every place he will go and deceive. From Gog to Magog. And usually when you see Gog and Magog, that is saying basically those who are just disobedient, far away, hate God. And he'll gather them for battle. In number they are like the sand on the seashore. Now think about that. You've been raised in a perfect place. Jesus is the king. And you're going to still say, no, I'm going to follow the devil. And the sand of the seashore, that should kick some of your minds. Up. Wait a minute, I've heard that before. Yeah, Abraham, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the sand of the seashore, which means you're not going to be able to count them. And it's Armageddon 2.0 because now they've all gathered around. It says they've gathered around the city of Jerusalem. They marched across the breadth of earth surrounding the camp of God's people in the city that he loves to fight God again. Satan didn't learn the first time, but fire comes down from heaven and devours them. And like Armageddon, it wasn't a battle. It was an execution. And all those who gathered, gone. Now, verse 10 says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown in the lake of burning sulfur. Finally, you got the beast there, you got the false prophet there, and now you've got the devil. And we go, yay, the devil. <laughs> Thank God he's finally in the lake of fire for eternity, burning hell. Do you really mean that? Because the next passage when it says they were, tor and they were tormented day and night forever and ever. 
Verse 11 says, Then I saw the great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. Now, when Christians, when followers of Jesus are judged, this is not where they're judged at the great white throne. And when we are judged, we're not judged for our sin. They've been forgiven by Christ. We're judged according to what we did with the gifts and talents that he left us with. And we'll be rewarded for that. Bakersfield, Fiji. Think about that, okay? But the great white throne, this is where God, and, and it's great because of this pure justice. It's white because of the purity and holiness. When he judges, and the one who's sitting on the throne, is not the Father, it's the Son. Even though Revelation doesn't say this, again, we use Scripture to interpret Scripture. Jesus said in John 5, 22, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. So this Jesus, the rider on the horse with his robe dipped in the blood of his enemies, the one who comes as a shepherd to God. I mean, all the pictures we can get is now sitting in his courtroom ready to pronounce judgment on all those who chose not to follow him. Now, when it says earth and sky fled a right way, this is where everything that we see as beautiful ceases to exist. Second Peter 3.10 puts it this way. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and heaven will, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since Now watch this. Don't miss this. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? This is not about information. This is about what, how this should change your life. If this is true, if you can believe this is what's going to happen, how should you be living then? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look for, forward to the day God and speed is coming. The day will bring about destructions of the heaven by fire and the elements will melt in, heat, in the heat. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of the righteous. And that's chapter 21 and 22 of Revelation. When it says in verse 12 of chapter 20 of Revelation, it says, I saw the dead and great and small standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So they're standing before the throne. This is a court scene. And what is true in every court that we can see where you have a judge up there, he's got a gavel. But the difference is that there will be no debate about guilt or innocence. There will be, be a, pro, a, a prosecutor, but no defense. There will be judge, but no jury. Sentencing without appeal and judgment without parole. Because why? The books have been opened. Books, plural. Imagine the library of every action of every human being that has ever walked the face of the earth written down. I mean, and you may say, well, books. <laughs> Tim, I'm not, I'm not a bad person. I'm a, I'm a good guy. And I'll take my chances because I don't think much is written down in those books. Here's the deal, guys. 
God's, God's way of looking things is moral perfection. That's what he demands. The only one who lived moral perfection was Jesus Christ. And being that we are sinful, he said, Tim, I don't sin that much. Okay, I, let, me, let me just say, you sin only one time in your entire life. If it shows up in the book that doesn't say forgiven, you're guilty. Don't care what it is. All sin separates us from God, even one. But I guarantee you, there's no person on the face of the earth can say, I only sin once or I've never sinned. Just hold a baby for a little bit when it demands its mama or whatever. I mean, we're born with it. And the books that are open, and your notes, there's a breakdown of just all the books. that are Five books are talked about in the Bible. There's the Bible itself that we will judge by the words of God. There's the book of records recorded in Psalm 139. There's the book of remembrance. Malachi talks about that. There's a book of works that just mentioned deeds here in Revelation 2012. And then there's the book of life. Nine times in the scripture it talks about the book of life, the book of life, the book of life. And what's interesting in is that many times it says that your name would be found written in it, which means you've actually accepted Christ in your life. And, and I've said it countless times that when someone comes to faith in Christ, their name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. But what, what challenged my thought process this week was there's a passage in Exodus and there's a passage in Psalms that says, do not blot out my name. And the author of that said, is it possible that everyone's name was in the book to start with? Every person that has ever been born on the face of the earth, his name is in the book. Because what's God's desire? Is that everyone come to faith in Christ. But when you've come to the end of your life and have chosen not, your name is blotted out. Because his desire is that you'd be with him forever. Hell was not created for us. It was created for Satan and the demons and the whole nine yards. And those who said to God, I don't need you. In verse 13, it says, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death and Hades gave up their dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. We go, yay, you got the beast, you got the false prophet, you got the devil, you got death and Hades, yay. But keep reading. The lake of fire is the second death. No comeback, no parole. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Yeah! Wait, wait. That's my Uncle Bob. That's my grown child. That's my neighbor. That's my coworker. This ends Revelation 12. Sin and all that is evil is conquered for all time. Right there. Never to rise again. And. Anytime you talk about hell, because we, we don't want to believe in it. I, I don't, I love the concept of heaven. Well, who doesn't? 
And that's why man, religious men, invented purgatory. Well, there's really not a hell. What you're going to go to do is purgatory. You're going to be in rock quarry for all the sins you've committed. And once you're finally paid off with enough rocks, you get to go to heaven. It's not in the Bible, guys. It's not there. No purgatory. You have two places to go. Your soul will spend eternity in one or two places. As Jesus talked about it 11 times in the New Testament. It's perpetual suffering. The human soul is never extinguished. Jesus says this in Matthew 25, 46. Then they will go away. This is the time when he's talking about the sheep and the goats, separating the sheep and the goats. Talking about the goats. Then they will go away to eternal punishment. And the righteous to eternal life. For just as long as eternity is for those in heaven... That will be true for those, I will say, who have chosen hell. Second Thessalonians 1.9. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and, sh and shut down from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. The Bible talks about there's different levels in hell. I mean, I, and you... I, I, want, I want Hitler to suffer. I mean, there are some people, I have no problem with the concept of hell. Hope they burn, turn it up. And for some, God will. Talks about misery compared to more misery. The scripture portrays this place as fire, it's total darkness, as a place where the worm devours you and, and you never die, the place of banishment from God's kingdom, the weeping and gnashing of teeth over and over again. Guys, you don't want to be here. And God doesn't want you to be here. But people will choose. I mean, people that will have lived in a perfect kingdom will choose. To go battle God. And you go, how, how is that even possible? Because the heart is an evil thing. And you know that of yourself, let alone of everybody else. If I flashed up on the screen the things you thought of this week, we'd be calling the police. We'd, we wouldn't be sitting next to each other. We'd never show up again. Because the heart is an evil place. And the only thing that can save us from that is forgiveness in Christ. But when mankind refuses that, and so I ask, and I, I, I probably more challenge you, do you really believe in hell? Because if you did, how then should we live if this is all true? I mean, I can't, I mean, I'll, I'll be down in Fresno speaking before hundreds and hundreds of police officers. I can't determine whether they will accept Jesus Christ or not. All I can do is show up, tell the truth, and leave the results to God. That's my job. I can't force anybody. I can't make anyone believe anything. They choose. And like all choices, there's consequences. And guys, hell is real. The darkness, the national scene, and hell is forever. There's no getting out. If, and if that's true, how should that affect our conversations? How, how should that affect 
are in, in, initiating conversations with people to see where they're at. It might not be right then, hi, I'm Brian, I'm Tim. You're going to hell. You better accept Jesus. That, that's usually not how you win friends and influence people, okay? It's not. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Jude talks about that some will be won to the Lord by a kind word, others by the cursing of the very garments. I don't know who's who in that, so I know my approach. I know of the divine appointments God gives me, the opportunities that God gives me. And again, as I pray most every Sunday, you got us here, you got us dressed, help us take advantage of today that you've given us. But there's only one way <laughs> to save me from that place, and that's through forgiveness of Jesus Christ. When I repent from the way I've been going and turn to follow God, when I ask his forgiveness and his direction in my life, then he promises me. As I prayed for a young woman who passed away, she passed away yesterday. Um, her desire for the last month, she's been fighting cancer. Her name is Vanessa. She wanted to get baptized and just because of COVID, because of the cancer, because of everything. So I baptized her with a bottle of water this week. And um, being with the family, and our hope is, even when I left, prayed, spent time with the family, I said, okay, I'll see you later. And she said, you can count. That's the hope we have, guys. That's, that's the hope we have in Christ. It doesn't take away suffering. It doesn't take away pain. It doesn't take away the hardships. But it gives me the hope that someday I will rule and reign with him. Someday I will enjoy the promises that he has given me. Someday, all based on that my name is written down in the book of life. And I, all I did was accept it. I accepted his gift and took it for my own and said, thank you. Paul Brown, my friend and president, took that gift and said, thank you, and ran with it. Affected so many people. If this is true, how can I be radiant and ready then? And I will say, if you're here today or if you're watching online, You've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. That's a prayer way. It's not the words. I keep saying that. It's the attitude of the heart. I change this prayer pretty much every time, a little bit. Some things I don't because it's just the truth. It's not the words or in the order you say them. It's the attitude of your heart that you're asking forgiveness. You're saying, God, I re I, I'm turning away from my, the life I've been living, and I will follow you. If that's you today, then I'm going to put this prayer on the screen. And you at home, pray where, where you're at. Pray here. We're all going to pray this together in unison. Um, but let's pray this. And if this is your first time, and you mean that, then your name is being written in that book. Let's pray this together. God in heaven, you sent your son Jesus to save us from our sins. My sin has separated me from you. 
I believe that Jesus Christ died to take away my sin. Today, I ask you to forgive my sin and to come into my life. Please begin to direct my life. May my name be in your book of life. I receive you into my heart this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Father in heaven. There are those who pray this for the first time. I know what's taking place. There's rejoicing in heaven. But another one has chosen to believe. Their name will not be blotted out of the book of life. And the angels are celebrating. May we celebrate. Fill them with your spirit, Lord. May we help them grow into that truth and knowledge of what that relationship is all about. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's a number on the screen. I think Larry. Larry, are you here? Yeah, there you are. There's Larry. There's Larry. That's his phone number. All right, don't just text him, hey, Larry. All right, maybe you want some text for hey, Larry. But Larry oversees our discipleship. You text that number or you go up to him today and talk to him before you leave here. He'll give you the information that you need to help you grow in your faith of what this thing is all about so you can be radiant and ready. All right, guys, God bless you. Have a fantastic day. And we'll see you next week as we finish up Revelation.